Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 13th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson of HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh of HockeyHurts.com. And this week we will be talking about uh, the NHL All-Star Game. We have some selections, talk about the format, talk about some personal preferences that, that we both have in the selection process. We are going to uh, throw some kudos towards Alexander Ovechkin hitting 1,000 points. We are going to also catch up with our main podcast topic from last week briefly, uh, Columbus with the 16 wins in a row. How have they done since that ended? And we'll close with some Penguins-related material, uh, on-ice product, as well as some trade rumor stuff. So how about that? Rumors. Rumor, rumor, rumor. The HockeyBuzz.com guy talking rumors. Go figure. (laughs) So, you know, that'll be interesting. And that could bleed into other teams as well. So, Um, All-Star. It's coming up, I believe, at the end of the month on a Sunday. Well, it's going to be All-Star weekend. It's in Los Angeles. The teams will be based on division again. And they're going to have a little three-on-three tournament, which um, I, I liked a lot. I thought that was a real good change. Any initial thoughts on the teams or anything about it? Um, I've not really thought about the All-Star. Like, did you vote, just out of curiosity? No. No. Uh, it, it's so I, guess, be I guess part of this I could be considered a hypocrite, but no, I did I did not vote. Well, no, no, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think there's a cutoff point in your brain where you just go, I just don't care about voting for it. But you're right, the three-on-three format is going to be great fun. There's a hell of a lot of talent, obviously, in each division, so it, it's going to, going to be great. You kind of hope you get to see players play with each other that you're not going to – you'd never see. So, you know, it would be cool to see Sid and Ovechkin – playing together and you know it would be it would be interesting to see how Keith and Subban got out there together if they could see what magic they could weave if Subban even plays that is no and this was more pronounced back in the 80s uh, when you know the markets the way they were these players did not play against each other as often uh, and and to have all the stars in one place now you know, with the TV contracts and everything, you you get to see all NHL play. You have access, at least, if you wanted to. You can see every game nowadays, whereas that didn't used to be the case. That's why the All-Star game was so special. You would see players that you weren't able to see. And um, I just, I've never lived in that. I've never lived in that world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, but, you know, someone like myself growing up in the you know, being really young in the 80s. You, you would have sports where I was. You'd have Sports Channel, which was kind of the New York metro area, and then Buffalo. But if – and maybe ESPN had a national game or whoever had the rights at the time. There was no hockey package. Like, if you wanted to watch the Oilers, Wayne Gretzky Oilers every night, that wasn't happening. No, and it's it's the one thing that's – it's the one thing that's great about – you know, the way the internet works now is that you can get to see every everyone and everything at the same time, but you don't get to see a few of these guys play together. So that'll be the 
for me, that'll be the fun part, is just seeing what magic some of these guys can weave. So, every year, there's obviously arguments over quote-unquote snubs. Uh, it's a little bit different with the current setup they have, being within divisions and having to have every team represented. represented. So, if I can quickly count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven per roster... And there's, what, seven teams in the Western Division, eight in the other ones, or am I eight off the on east. that? Yep. It's, eight, it's, it's eight in the East and seven in the West. So that's eight out, eight out of 11 slots. You keep, there's not much um, wiggle room for, for repeat business. Except if you're the Blackhawks. But they only have seven compared to the eight. But, yes, we'll talk about the Blackhawk thing, too. Uh, but... You know, it makes it tough to get everybody that you want to see in because every team, I mean, Bo fucking Horvat is an NHL All-Star this year, so, you know. And Phil Kessel's not. So there's going to be things like that. Exactly. I get I get exactly what you mean. I suppose the, the thing for me is you look at some of the have to have somebody there from every, every team, and I go, Franz Nielsen. Really? Um, you know, Vinny Trocek, good player, but, you know, should be Jaeger. I know he was always going to say he's not going to do it. but Yeah, the only reason he went last year is because people voted him a captain. Yeah, he, had no, he couldn't really sort of get out of it. But, you know, Nathan McKinnon with the year he's had, could you really say that he should be at the All-Star game? Okay, so here's what I – oh, perfect segue, my friend. <laughs> my – so here's where I want to go with this conversation. What do you actually want to see at the All-Star game? And personally, um, I want to be entertained. Now, this is just casual casual background noise for me, most most times the actual All-Star game. But I don't hate on it. I don't throw any venom. Like, a lot of people are, this is so stupid and whatever. I always like having it on. It's fun to kind of see the, the players interact with each other as teammates that normally aren't teammates. So I, I do enjoy that part of it. But what I will say is I want to, if they're going to stay with the three-on-three format, which I like, I don't care how the players are actually doing with their NHL teams in a given year. Um, I want the people at the NHL All-Star game that are the most fun to watch three-on-three and have personality. That's what's going to make the All-Star game entertaining. So when you say, does Nate McKinnon deserve to be at the NHL All-Star game based on his year, I don't care because that guy can dangle, and I want to watch him play. Matt Duchesne would also fall into that category. Um, not to beat up the poor guy, but Bo Horvat does not fall into that category. <laughs> no, I get I get what you're saying. Um, and, oh, look, you know, we've made it pretty clear on this podcast that, you know, this is a sport, and you're there to be entertained, and... If your team's not going to win at all, you might as well watch, you know, entertaining hockey at the same time. And I can't really argue with, with the point that you made. If you're going to look at it, in, if we look at it in your context in regards to highly skilled players, then, you know, obviously you'd think Kessel would be in there. You would expect um, Eichel to be in there as well. I suppose it's one that kind of surprised me that they went with Oposo instead. Yeah, so basically what I'm saying, there are many great hockey players. Like, Franz Nielsen's a really good hockey player. He is, it's but true. 
But I don't want to see him play three on three. The reason he's a good hockey player is because he's really great defensively and has the ability to chip in offense at even strength. But he's not going to flash any aesthetically pleasing things that I really uh, uniquely want to see. Like, for your example, uh, the Buffalo one. Oposo. Well, Oposo can do some things. But Ico would be the one that I would actually want to see in that um, example. Uh, from from that from the Buffalo example, yeah. Ryan Kessler, I do not want to watch play three on three hockey. I want to watch Ryan Getzlaff play three on three hockey. Or Corey Perry, to be honest. Either or, but I think Getzlaff has got hands that are just ridiculous. So, well, so that's the thing. Like, really, so get there and look at that. If we run with your theory, I don't want Drew Doughty there. The things that make him great as a defender. I don't think he can he can do those things that would work well here. Same with Ryan McDonough. Um, yeah, Ryan McDonough is a good example of what I'm talking about. He's a great player, but he's dull. It's like sending Paul Martin. Like, yeah, he's great, but I don't want to really watch him play in an all-star caliber three-on-three thing. Uh, Wayne Simmons, yeah. no offense. Um, could I get Claude Giroux there? Well, that is sort of what it comes down to. You, 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 like you said, you're shaping it for entertainment value. I.e., I don't think Jonathan Taves should be there if you run it with that theory. Well, I actually think he can do cool things. He, he's been on those GoPro videos, and I, I think he has the ability to um, really showcase those hands. I mean, shootout. Why he's? I actually don't mind him being there. Because I do think he can put on put on a show more so. I think Panarin certainly deserves to be there. As much as, you know, as a human being, I don't really care for much. But Patrick Kane is, like, almost the epitome of what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I'm not so concerned about whether these guys are having great actual seasons. Yeah, My, my best example of this would be... Alex Kovalev did not make the All-Star game every year, correct? Obviously not. <laughs> yep. He's the kind of guy that should be at the fucking All-Star game every year if you're doing a three-on-three tournament. No no exceptions. Like, that's the guy you want to watch in that kind of thing. And a skills competition. Like, that's the fun stuff you want to watch. Yeah. No, no, I get I get what you're saying. Uh, and you're not going to hear an argument from me. It would be, interest, it would be interesting if... Um, if anyone could ever be bothered to write up, you know, four divisional teams based around that theory. And the hard thing for that for me would be, you know, I don't see any pregame skates. I don't see any morning skates or any practices to see who the guys are that, you know, are not traditionally in these sort of lists that have those mad skills that they could show off in a three-on-three environment. Well, for, for some of our listeners, might get the reference, but there's a central New York kid that uh, is perfect for this kind of... Robbie Shrimp is the kind of player that I would love to, to watch in three-on-three. Three. Now, he didn't have a great NHL career. I think his timing was a little bit off. Uh, I think if he came up now, he might have gotten a better look. But for those that know Robbie Shrimp from the OHL days, I mean, his hands and skills are otherworldly. It just didn't translate to actual hockey success. But those are the guys I would want at this event. I think it would be fun. It would make it more interesting. 
Uh, I know Robbie Shrimp's not an option now, but those are the kind of... Um... Yeah, that, that, and that's the thing. There are people, there'd be stacks of people like that out there in the league, and it'd be like, I just don't know who they are. And that would be, for me, the fun part of it is like, oh, so this guy's got some unexpected dangles about him, or, you know, can do some things that I, you don't get to see him do on the ice because he's actually playing hockey. That would be the cool part about it. And that would bring back that... Uh, feeling you had in the 80s where you didn't get to see certain players, this would be you didn't get to see certain players do cool things. Like a, an Alesh Hemsky five years ago. Yeah. That kind of guy. Good example. Good example. So, you know, I'm not um, – I know I was pretty beat up a few of these guys. They made the NHL All-Star team. Obviously, they're very good. But, you know, Wayne Simmons, that's not really – Maybe he'll surprise me, but like, I you know, I'd be a little bit shocked if he was kind of in the mold of what we were talking about with this. Uh, Bo Horvat being another one, Franz Nielsen, um, Shea Weber. I'm okay with for the lone fact that I need him in the hardest shot competition. So I that that's so that does there. so that does play to the entertainment part of the weekend. So for me, that's okay. Or maybe allow. Um, players that aren't in the actual, like the NBA has slam dunk competitors that aren't in the actual all-star game to compete in the skills. Yeah. I, I, Not I that I'm saying Shea Weber um, is undeserving of the all-star game this year. He's he's had a fine year. But I was just trying to make a point, like even if he wasn't having a fine year, you got to get him at that hardest shot thing. Yeah, you can't have you can't not have him there, and also not have Zidane Chara there. You got to have one of the two until someone knocks him off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and Chara's not going to be there, right? Is that how they are still doing it? If you're not part of the yeah, no, no, you're so on no the Chara at hardest shot. Weber has... I don't think how, so. How, how does that like? Come on, you don't. That's not a selling point to tune into the All Star competition. Uh, you know how the NHL thinks. But like, come on, let's let's use common sense here. Let's let's build towards entertainment. This game doesn't mean shit, or this weekend in its sense does not mean shit. So why not just totally sell out on the entertainment value, maximize it <laughs> at the very least? I like your line of thinking. We just know that it's never going to happen. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, like, this is the thing. Like, I, I am down with the idea. I think it's 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 a the idea is sound. The NHL's inability to um, endorse individual players' skill as opposed to what's on the front of the jersey is minute. It, it just they don't do it. It's all about the team. It's all about. So you can't get there and just have a ring in coming for the skills competition. It's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. Yeah, another example came to my head. Alexander Radulov, he'd be fun to have at um, yeah the three on three thing because well Galchenyuk as well. Yeah, but Radulov is. Oh yeah, no, no, he would, he would tear it up. You know, Backstrom, a Kuznetsov. Am I missing anybody? There's got to be some others out there. 
maybe. Maybe not. My point stands. That's where I want this to go in the future. I think it would uh, maximize the um, entertainment value for a weekend that maybe has lost its luster lil, although I do give the NHL credit for switching it to three-on-three. Three. I thought that was very good. And that helps. It helps a lot. Yeah, you're right. And I've always very much enjoyed the skills competition. I think that's the best part of the weekend. It's nice having it on Saturday night. So, I don't know. Any, oh, any so other? The skills comes on the Saturday night, is it? Is what? Is the skills comp on the Saturday night? Saturday night. Well, that's good. That's good. That's Sunday morning for me. That means it's watchable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then the All-Star games usually afternoon uh, Sunday. All hungover as hell. <laughs> but that's those are my thoughts on the All-Star game. Yeah, I think I think it's all pretty sound and reasonable. It would be nice if they. Looked fun, but they seem to don't. <laughs> I might vote if they opened it up to that kind of thing. Or it would have to take the NHL kind of pushing that that's what they were going for to have enough meaningful votes for something like that. Yeah, no, I know. Like me mean. voting for a few random guys that I just want there. What the hell's that going to do? Yeah, <laughs> I'll end Scott up with like five vote. votes. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. So, um, keeping with all-star theme, uh, Metropolitan Division, <coughs> Obi got a thousand. In style. He did, in style, yes. The um, 35 seconds into the game against the Penguins, uh, two-on-one, Little kind of drop shoulder, curl and drag, upper dog shot on Marc-Andre Fleury. I thought it was perfect that it was against the Penguins and Sidney Crosby, given the, the history of it all. So I thought that was yeah. quite fitting. And then uh, for good measure, he said, you know, 1,000 is great and all, but what, what about 1,001? And on the power play, left circle, put off one of those shots that if I think Fleury made the save, probably would have, his hand would have exploded into a thousand different pieces. <laughs> so uh, the thing that's, the thing that's great about Ovi is I know he gets ripped a bit at times for, for stupid reasons. Like he doesn't turn up for the big games and stuff like that, but consistently against Pittsburgh, he plays awesome. Well, that narrative that you referenced is nonsense. Well, it's dog shit. Those years the Capitals were losing, his goals per 60 were still outrageous. Stop. Yeah, I know. He was, he was scoring hat-tricks, dueling hat-tricks with Crosby. And Oh, sorry, Varlamov gave up seven in game seven. I guess that's Ovi's fault. Yeah, he got stopped on that breakaway by Fleury, but, the, you know, whatever. There's, what, 56 minutes left in that game? Yep. The just yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. But it's it's fantastic that he's got to a thousand. Um, he deserves every accolade that he that he gets. He's best goal scorer I've ever got to watch consistently. Um, you know now that it's much easier to watch other teams play and, and stuff like that. He's just he's a machine. Yeah, I think that's a fair point too. I mean, I I caught a 
good bit of chunk of Mario because Sports Channel with the the Tri City New York, Pittsburgh's in that division. So as when I was young, between that and ESPN, there were a lot of Penguin games on. So I got to catch um, as much as an out of market Penguins fan could catch. Yeah. Growing up, but yes, the digital age. I think it's it's great that you could really reference any one of Ovechkin's goals of his career and um, pull them all up and find them, which is awesome because a lot of them are really good. Yes, yes, they are. And um, I think when it's all said and done, he will be considered the best pure goal scorer of all time, um, regardless of the raw totals because catching Gretzky, um, that'll be still be tough for him to do. But as far as just logically looking at it, I mean, who pumps the puck in the net better than him? And right now, I, I still, uh, my personal uh, opinion on it is that Mario still has a, a slim lead in this department, but uh, Ovi's got a lot of time to go, and I think uh, I think eventually he'll be he'll be the guy. Yeah, he was the best at scoring goals ever. He does actually have a long time to go. He, he... It's funny, you hear that, oh, this is the demise of Ovi. He'll, if he doesn't get 50, he'll be right on top of it this year. Even when his legs go, he's still going to be on that left circle. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's, so true. He's, he's still going to score. And, and when you've got someone like Backstrom who can get it to him, even though everybody knows it's going there, um, yeah, he just has to, he just has to stand and shoot. So pet peeve of mine, when people are trying to defend um, the inflated early 80s, 70s, early 80s goal total, well, Ovi has a, a rubber band stick, and, you know, that's why. And it's like, yes, th- this is true. He He's shooting the puck harder than a puck's ever been shot with skill, and that play is a huge role into it. But I still go back to the playing against real goaltender thing because – Brett Hall had a wood stick, and you can go look at his one-timers, and they were pretty fucking hard. There's no doubt in my mind that Ovi could do that or maybe even better. Well, the thing is, like, back then, Brett Hall had net to shoot at. You can see, when you see some of those old Lemieux highlights, you just go, there is so much net. So why why am I to believe that Ovi wouldn't be just pumping the net full then, too? Well, you're exactly right. It, It is one of those things where... If you could find a way to protect the goalies with the 1980-sized equipment, like have them as safe as they feel now but have the equipment that small, um, I think you would find that there'd be a lot more net to look at. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I I think the goaltending thing was more of an advantage than the stick thing is now. Yeah, I I agree. The technology for the goalies has moved along with the stick the, the stick improvements. Not to mention the technique and size of said goaltenders. Yeah, you're right. You know, it is one of those things where the goaltenders have gone out of their way to work at their craft and they're great not now. They are great now. Yeah, they've worked really hard to not be the <laughs> laughing stock of the sport. Really. I mean, Darren, Darren Pang got paid <laughs> to Darren play Pang hockey. Was... Sorry, Darren, but, you know, you're not the only one. 
You're just the most famous example I could use for that. It's... So, that's my thought. I I just, um, it's weird too, like to hate a player like him. Like he's on another, maybe not on the team you root for, and it's like, geez, how what a weird what a weird existence to just be. Like not every player is going to play on your favorite team, so you're going to just hate <laughs> everybody else that's, that's not. Just that's, just a weird that's exactly. thing. That's what the NHL want, though. That's how they've structured it up. That's yeah, why well, they've done a divisional. That's why they've done a divisional playoff. Another fuck thing. up for the league. Rather than celebrate the fact that they've got all these great players all over the league that you should tune into at ten thirty at night to bother watching the West Coast, their soon-to-be next best greatest thing is as far west as you possibly can be, and they've done nothing to make. U.S. fans go, you know what? I should probably watch them. He's the future of the game. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Fortunately, Ovechkin has been part of the few times that they have promoted individuals with Sid, and both of those players deliver. But there's been so many other players that they didn't, and they kind of went by the wayside. Not by the wayside to someone who's a, a huge fan, but, you know, how many casual people can I talk to even in a hockey area like myself in Western New York? And how many casual people know Vladimir Tarasenko? <laughs> oh, you think you're lonely? No, I know, but that's my point. Like, yeah, I'm exactly in a good right. spot. As good of a spot as there is in the United States, I would argue. And if you talk to casual people that don't play hockey or and you know, wouldn't necessarily turn off a hockey game if it were on hockey, they can't name those kind of players. That's a failure on the league. I must be so sad. So I must, I must watch so much hockey compared to other people. I would assume that hockey fans in Australia would know these things because they're definitely going out of their way to watch it. I, I would I would get yeah, beyond that assumption as well. Like um, guy that was living with me for about three or four weeks until he, the um, paperwork for the, his house purchase came through. Um, you know, we'd get home from work, we'd sit down on the couch and watch, you know, all the highlights of the games. And you know, he was all over it too. You're not so, going to the local watering hole in Perth. Turn that motherfucking cricket match off and get that NHL game on there. You know, I've done that once at the casino in Melbourne. And how did that play out? I got to watch my game of hockey. Oh, good for them. It was game, I think it was game six of the the 2009 Cup Finals. So in the end, it wasn't worth it. But, you was, know, that the Jordan, no, was that the Jordan style? No. I thought, I thought it no, was earlier. They won, it, they won it home every Tyler game. Tyler Kennedy bank shot seven. side of the net. Yeah. Whatever, they won. <laughs> Those <was> good times. <laughs> so, yeah, Ovi, best goal scorer of all time, eventually. Mario, keep that seat warm. That's all he's doing, the seat warming. Mike Bossy can certainly be put into that conversation, too. But I think Mike Bossy falls a little bit into that Gretzky time period of the early, early 80s. 
So what was the what was the whole bitching and moaning about Rashad like with? Oh my I don't, god! Just stop. I don't understand. I don't understand this. I just I just don't get it. Do you know what I mean? Because these Montreal Canadiens, like if you were to pick one player from their franchise in their, you know, as story as any in the league, probably the most, and that's their kingpin. Who could possibly this Russian guy be better than him? Than this Canadian, specifically French Canadian Montreal royalty. It's yeah. like, dude, give me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's. I just I wondered whether I was reading anything different into it than I should be, and no, that was the same thing I was feeling. I was just checking that I wasn't reading it wrong. <laughs> nah, oh, he's way better than him. I just think it's tough. I mean that. That hockey back then is it's weak. But that's part of the evolution of a sport, though. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm hoping in 20 years' time (laughs) that the superstars of the game then are being compared to the guys of today, and and that's the same thing. It's like, oh, Sidney Crosby was the greatest, and it's like, yes, but this particular person right now is so much better than that. Yep. Connor will push that a little bit. I, I hope so. I, I really hope he does. Well, he's off just, to the right start. Just wish he wasn't joining Edmonton. God. Second to the Devils. That was just the shittiest spot he could go. <sighs> and the Devils is just my personal. You have a massive grudge. I'm surprised it's not the Islanders' view after what they did to us in 93, but you have a severe dislike for that Devils franchise. They ruined hockey for a long time and were very boring. I didn't say your argument wasn't legit. <laughs> they are just a boring shit team that was very successful, so everybody copied it, and then the whole league was a boring shit product. That's why it's imperative that the Penguins win again. Or someone wins like the Penguins. And then you got here about Brodeur being one of the best goalies ever. And it's like, goalie wins. <laughs> All right. I'm not going off on that. Okay, Doki. Columbus. 16 in a row. Here's the issue with Columbus. They are now 1-3 since the streak. And have only taken six of, or I'm sorry, two of eight points. It wasn't realistic to expect them to, you know, just start up another 15-game winning streak. But I think some of those concerns that we had with them, with the possession trending the way it did, um, has hurt them. And their goaltending has not been good in these games. And, and a few of them have been without Bob, who's been amazing this year. Should be up for another Vesna, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, but the, they, thing that's, the thing that's interesting is that they now have uh, a new backup goalie as well. It's two of the last three games. McElhaney, who is gone. Bob started. Okay, so here we go. The end of the streak was when the, the Capitals wrecked them and they gave up five and Bob was in for that. So then they play the Rangers with McElhaney and give up another five. Then Bob comes back in and plays great. They lost um, two to one in overtime. And, and the thing with that was I, I was actually watching that game. I think it was a, what was it, Sunday night? 
Columbus was winning with 20 seconds left. And gave up. Oh, that's right. Goal. And then yeah. ended up. Um, Shootout, did it? No, overtime. Uh, who the hell scored for them? Doesn't matter. They lost. But then Horsberg, <laughs> you know, McElhinney waivers got picked up. Was Toronto pick him up? They did. That caused the consternation in itself. Okay. But they went back to, to Forsberg because did Bob get hurt? Because it wasn't a back-to-back situation. I'm honestly not sure. If he gets hurt, they got to put him in cotton wool. <laughs> but they gave up another five yeah. to Carolina. And the problem with this little stretch, and I think we alluded to it um, last podcast, at Washington versus New York Rangers versus Philly at Carolina, what do they all have in common? Divisional guys. Yeah, so they only took two out of eight uh, divisional points. Well, but they're in a great spot. Are... I mean, they won sixteen in a row. They're they're good, but if they go fifty, if they go five hundred the rest of the way, with a few overtime losses littered in that five hundred. Oh yeah, the goal oh, as far as making they, the playoffs, they will be very unlucky if they don't actually win the division. Well, Pittsburgh's still up there. And you know what I'm concerned with as a Pittsburgh fan? Washington. They've just quietly been motoring along, getting the kinks out of their game, not blowing the league apart like they did last year early. And they're 59 points in 41 games. Just quietly got to second spot in the Metro. Yeah, I don't know why it's so quiet. They're a really good team. And quite frankly, I thought they played the Penguins the best out of any team in the playoffs last year. I know it... I know Tampa got to seven games on Pittsburgh, but there were games that that six-game series where I believe game two, maybe? Game two or three, I can't remember. Matt Murray was out of his mind. Capital it was the game that Letang, whichever one it was, it was the one Latang missed and Daly played out of his mind, but Murray stopped them from, because they got, they got torched. But, but they lost, and and it's kind of like that 2010 Halak bullshit they went through. <laughs> the other way, yeah. But it was only for the, the one game that was at kind of that crazy level. But they were great last year. I think their roster certainly um, didn't get worse this year. Well, I, I would doubt that it's, it's gotten better. They just, that OP contract is going to kill them. He's actually not been horrible this year, at least the few times I've checked in on him. Are you giving it the whole low bar thing? Oh, the contract's terrible, but, like, he's not killing them. Right? Or am I – maybe I'm wrong. Am I allowed to be wrong? I'm never wrong. (laughs) I'm never wrong. I'm the best. I'm always right. Walshie, you try hard, you're wrong. Sad. <laughs> Sad. Oh, I'm sorry. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I bet, because you're an outsider. <laughs> it's our fucking reality. Great. Uh, la, la. Or pick. 52.6, Corsi 4 percentage. Raw. He's, definitely not, he's definitely not killing him. In fact, he's a positive for us. That's good. So What's that relative? To, what is he relative to the team? Point eight. So he's up. Yep, he's not a negative. So that's a 
Sounds funny. If he's not a negative, then that's a bonus with Orpid. Sounds like I was right. Oh, good God. Uh, so he's playing better, which is up from last year. I think the the one big thing that is going a little bit south, that south's probably a strong term, Kuznetsov's not quite having the year he had last year. He was awesome last year. I think he led the league in points per – or came close to leading the league in uh, points per 60 last year for the whole league, not just um, his team. And I'll kind of look that back up right now. Yeah, he's fourth overall, 2.54 last year, Kuznetsov. And hey, if they can get by like this without him oh. being what he was last year and – he manages to find his game. He did. He did find his game. He's 2.26. He was way lower last time I looked. You know what I mean? So, so like, he is it, picking his game up. So, yeah, there you go. They're dangerous. They've won seven in a row themselves, the Caps. Like, this is the thing with the with the Metro. If you go on a bit of a losing streak of, like, four or five games, you, got, you fall behind real quick because everybody else is winning them in bunches. Yeah, the Devils who competed for a long time last year, they're just not holding pace this year. It doesn't help that their best player just can't stop a puck as well as he used to. Yeah, didn't see that coming. This podcast has certainly been a big fan of Corey Schneider's, and I can, I, I stand by all the statements we made about him, but this year uh, has not been a good year for him. On a team that needs him to absolutely be good pretty much all the time. But that's the problem with building around a goalie. Or, or being a club that is building, and one of your star players is the goalie. Well, it's the thing that we've discussed this before, but they should trade him, scrap it, and and, and start again. But that won't happen. They're almost getting past that point, though. The window oh, yeah, was like right. last year. And now with him not playing as well, you kind of lose a little bit of that luster. Or a lot of it, based on, you know, general manager perception and goaltending. Yeah, it's good um, point. It's tough. So, yeah, very scared of the Capitals again. This, let me kind of, I'm going to look at their contract situations coming up. This may be their best crack at it. TJ Oshie is up. He makes 4.1. I don't see how he could really ask for like a huge raise, but maybe he gets to five-ish. That starts to cramp him up, doesn't it, really? I mean, somebody would offer him five-ish, right? You'd think so. Justin Williams, they can probably do for the 3.2. Man, there's been no player in this league that's left more money on the table than Justin Williams, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Totally agree. <laughs> <coughs> What great value, even at his age, for the, for what he does. Kuznetsov is up as an RFA. That three million is not going to be three million. And that's where that's where the uh, resigning. That's, that's going to be Oshie. at least five. That's where the resigning of Oshi could hurt. Burakovsky, RFA. He makes nine hundred thousand now. I know he's a, a decent enough player. I don't know what the ceiling of a raise would be. That's a tough one. See, for too. It's it's the tough one with, with Burakovsky is that there are times where I watch him play and I go, you know what? You look like you could you sort of all the parts are there for him to explode and 
be more than just a, a fourth, or fourth or a third liner, like to be a legitimate top six forward. And it just never seems to quite eventuate. It, it's really weird. So it's tough to crack you know, that top six, though. Well, to get the consistent ice time. If they trust him, then you don't have to sign a Justin Williams. You know what I mean? Like if they need oh, to I would, really, I would still some... sign Justin Williams. No, I know, but if you really have to throw some money at, 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 at Kuznetsov, then they might have to get creative. But but here's where Orpik comes into play. That's terrible money. And you it's just have to Because Car- Carl Alsner and Orlov are both up. Yeah. Alsner will get money. Because he's, he's a UFA. For, and yeah, Orlov's a, a, an RFA. So that makes things a little bit easier on, on the caps. But, you know, they've also got to grab themselves a really cheap backup goalie. And they have, oh, well, maybe the... Grubauer, RFA, they could probably, you know, suffocate his value down because of RFA status. No one's yeah, going to put it this way. No one's offer sheeting him. No one no, offer no. sheets anybody. So it's almost What's a take this? it or leave it for a guy like him. Yeah. And what's arbitration going to give him? How many? He's behind Holtby. How, how many games has he possibly played? It'd be really interesting to see how many more games he plays over the rest of this year because you just don't need Holtby to play all the time. Well, I took him in my Las Vegas draft. Gruy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that that's, that makes sense. Yeah. What Washington could do is stop playing Tom Wilson and Jay Beagle and save $3.75 million. Yeah. Well... They seem to find value in those two players for some unknown reason. Well, so. you're going to have to make some tough choices, and um, those would be easy choices for me. That's the thing. They're the smart. It's it's what you do around the edges. Usually everybody can get the core right. It's the edges that's the problem. And paying players like they're a core player, that's where you get screwed on the edges, i.e. Brooks Orpik. Yeah, man, that's just... Was that the new GM or was that McPhee? Oh, I don't know. I honestly can't remember. Well, it doesn't matter. These they're stuck with it. <laughs> they are. Uh, twenty twenty fifteen was when he had his first year with the Caps. Might be the new guy. I think it was McClellan. But wasn't the new guy part of the old guys? Circle? Yes, that's very true. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, we like the caps. I guess we can day. sum that up. And we also like the penguins. Yeah, a little bit more than the caps. So we will discuss them now. Um, trade deadline coming up in February, I think, towards the end. I haven't even looked at the date yet. I've been pretty pretty depressed on the trade rumor front this year as far as covering the Penguins. And I don't um, think they should be in on a lot. It's just as a writer, it's not as fun to... Roster looks good, everything good, everything's good. <laughs> That's pretty much You've it. Got nothing, you've really got nothing to complain about. And, and the stuff that you could complain about, it's not really going to change. I mean, once Fleury was on the roster playing... 
mid-season goalie trades aren't common, so that was like the big chip that just hadn't moved yet. Everything else is just like, all right, looks okay. But now we're starting to get towards the deadline a little bit, and their defense core is a guy short. I know, excuse me, I know they're missing Dumoulin, but they were a guy short before Dumoulin went out. I agree with that. And Dumoulin is um, a little bit down this year. For, for me, he's a complimentary top four player. Realistically, he should be your fourth defenseman. Uh, he's I think not he's gonna, a little bit better than that. but Because he's, well, he's not going to burn you as if he has to be a first pairing guy. You know what I mean? No, he's, you can win a cup with that. Yeah. And they did. Thankfully. But his shot uh, suppression um, was is his strength, and that hasn't been good this year. That's been the problem for the team the entire year, though. Their shot suppression is terrible. It's yes. fun hockey, don't get me wrong, but if you're looking at trying to pull a result in the playoffs, their ability to suppress shots was what won them the cup last year, basically, and they're not able to do it at the moment. But Dumoulin hasn't been bad this year, shot suppression. Last year, his shot attempts against per 60 was 49.46. And this year is 53.26, but he's he's leading the team that of players who've played 500 minutes. So he's still really good on that front as far as relative to his teammates. Yeah. But... Um, you know, it's not where it was, and considering not everybody else is doing as well this year, it's been tough for them to overcome. Well, they also lost him for six weeks, and it's like <clears throat> the team the, the team needs to have players that can get the puck out of the zone as soon as they get possession because – you actually see it when they've got quality forwards on the ice, whether they've got their third or, and, and their fourth lines on the ice. If they can't move the puck quickly out of the corners or quickly away from the crease, they get trapped and, and they get dogged in the zone for 45 seconds to a minute. And that's often when they get scored on. Well, the, even when they won the cup last year, it was not a defense core built to defend over extended periods of time no, in, in the zone. Their defense was a good offense. We were going to transition quick, so we're not doing that. And now they're not transitioning as as well as they did. They're getting caught in the zone much longer. The group was never built to be good at that. No. And and that's why you're seeing the shot attempts against Rice so much. I know that Pittsburgh peaked the right time of year last year, and, and obviously coming off the high of winning... It would be really hard to follow up with the same amount of crispness for the yeah, season. Yeah, it's a long year. I, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not expecting them to be crisp now, but since the start of the year to, to now, their possession, their, their shot suppression has been poor. They miss a lot of passes because they do short, sharp, triangular passes to exit out of the zone to get somebody free. And they've missed a lot of those this year and have got stuck on the wall Again, because they, they use that, the half wall for the exit, they chip it back, well, don't chip it, they pass it back to the guy in the middle for a touch pass 
to the defender skating out, usually Latang blowing out of the zone, or the centre just turns because there's space because nobody thinks you can actually pass back to the middle and skates out themselves. But they're missing two of those passes clean. So they were used to just hit the stick every single time. And you expect that for a team that's playing well. This team is just like 0.5% out of sync, and it really screws up their transition game. I'd love to see Stimson's exit stats for Pittsburgh in regards to how well they carried the puck with control out of the zone in the playoffs compared to what they've done this year. Well, Stimson's one of those black box guys. He doesn't like to share his stuff. <laughs> that'll, get him, <laughs> that'll get him going. <laughs> Are you trying to cause a Twitter fight? Just to clarify, I was kidding. Ryan does great work and makes all of what he has available, and that's why it's awesome work. So it can be yeah, judged exactly. publicly to whether or not it is shit or good. And personally, I think it's very good. But I know that because it's public, and we can look at it and have smart, it was smart a, people look at it. Is this in reference to a little bit of a... No, just in general. I, I, and some black box uh, metrics, they may be really good, but I don't know. You just can't trust them. It's it's blind Actually, trust, and that's at least for me writing about stuff. I'll reference the black box stuff once in a while, but you have to preface it in in that you don't have access to it. So you're just it, it is that blind trust, and and there's risk in that. So I don't doubt that probably some of it's good. But which is good, which is bad, that's that's the danger of, of, of doing it that way. Just quickly, in relation to that, some of the expected goal results I've seen on the internet of late in Twitter, you go, really, you're expecting this person to get more goals than this person? The logic behind the numbers don't really add up. Well, Hornquist is an example of that. Yeah, I mean, he's consistently the best Penguin above Sid, Gino, and Phil. So, uh, expected goal stuff, I think it, it does have <coughs> value. I think we're in its infancy. So, I try to stick with the, the old classics for now in, in, in a lot of my analysis. Just, just the stuff that we've been using for five years or so. I saw one yesterday for defensemen that um, had Ben Lovejoy on there as a top 30. Um, that was the one I was thinking of. And, um, you know, and I'm, I was curious because it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about right now with the Penguins' defense. And um, do they miss him? And I look in New Jersey and he's 43.8% Corsi 4 percentage negative relative possession and not generating much offense. So I don't know, top 30 expected, whatever I smell test. It doesn't work for me. Does, doesn't add up. And that's, that's the thing that I I find interesting with that stuff is it just, you get there and go, the numbers are great, but you can't, this is, this is why the numbers on their own don't just work. I know it's not meant to be a catch all stat, and, uh, oh, we know that. We, we all know and that. that. And that deserves to be said. I'm not treating it as a war stat. I j- it's just weird to see a guy with 43% possession be on the top 30 for really 
anything. It's <laughs> a good point. And and Corsi four raw a raw Corsi four percentage isn't a catch all stat either, but that's really low. <laughs> like yeah, bad. you can extract you, you <clears throat> regardless regardless of usage team quality of teammate. I think the general analytics community would agree forty three percent is low. <laughs> Sorry, just the tone of your voice was was amusing. It, so. But to shift back to the Pittsburgh's defense, uh, a guy that we talk about, you know, Lovejoy left, and he was fine in Pittsburgh his second time through. Still don't like the um, logic of how he was acquired, but that's way uh, that's way in the past now. So who replaces Lovejoy? Well, you have Latang. And then you have Justin Schultz playing awesome, right? Well, that's a imagine where they'd be without him. But he's playing. He's Justin Schultz right now is playing better better than Ben Lovejoy ever did with the Penguins, right? Yep. And then you're left with the other right defenseman, Trevor Daly, and that's the one I want to bring up. I wrote an article before the Rob Scuderi trade that he was fool's gold as a top four defenseman. So part of my reasoning for calling him fool's gold for being a top four defenseman was his possession numbers have never been really that good. I also was anticipating that trading for him was actually going to cost something. And, (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? I thought like, oh, a second round pick or this, this and that. I didn't think it was going to be Rob Scuderi that got him there. So the trade was awesome. So And that worked out awesome for the Penguins. And I was looking at some stuff today. When Daly arrived at the Penguins, he, his possession spiked. I looked at rolling averages from his entire career. It was one of the largest spikes he's ever had since his first few uh, years in the league. But as the year went on, even in the playoffs, the uh, the relative possession started to creep low, 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 low. And now it's way dipping down into the negative where it has been for the large part of his sample size. So the real <coughs> concerns I had and maybe fool's gold was, uh, you know, it was rather strongly worded. But that Trevor Daly, the Trevor Daly that has a large sample size of, of being this player is that player again right now this year. And with Dumoulin being hurt and maybe not playing as well, Ali Mata being inconsistent, they really needed Trevor Daly to to be where he was last year. But that was probably unrealistic and unfair to him. But it doesn't change the fact that it's hurting the on-ice product. I, th- I do remember you also said in, in, in that article, or maybe it was in the podcast, that um... – when Daly came over, you know, expect him to not do well possession-wise, but he can make up for it with the fact that when he does get the puck in the offensive zone, he can help generate offense. And I still believe um, that. You're right, but if he's not generating offense in the sort of patches that he's in at the moment, that's when it starts to hurt you because you're asking him to, you know, you're asking him to play above his level, and it's why trying to acquire a top four defenseman and being able to shuffle him down the, the roster, everyone becomes better when they go down a slot. And you're not, they're not going to break up their third pair 
because they just play so well together. Might not be the third pair. Well, actually, you're probably right. They probably are the second pair. When you, so... when you think about it realistically. And it, that, that does show you how far Olimata has fallen um, expectation-wise. Well, he's been better lately. I did rolling averages for him that I put in my blog uh, yesterday. And he's trending back up above 50%, and his offense is tracking back up. But I mind you, these are 10-game rolling averages for just this season. So good signs that he's improving, but I'm going to have to see a larger sample of that to be really convinced that he's turning a corner because his overall sample has been littered with unfortunate injuries and inconsistent play, and I don't think he's ever hit quite that ceiling that he – had with Niskan in that first year. Yeah, I, I think you nailed the point in regards to how high that ceiling was. It was Niskanen. They just they just played well together. They just gelled really well, and, and that's that's fine. Um, well, think about it, this: they were they were playing the same kind of minutes Schultz and Kolar this year. Yeah, and, and Niskanen is a legit, <laughs> and Niskanen is a legit top pairing defenseman. He's well, some might not think so, but he's closer to that than if he's not, not, he's sniffing it. Yeah, and they were playing them as a sheltered third pair. <laughs> he's a he's a legitimate top four right-handed defenseman, Niskanen. So I was so what to do here? Enough, you know. Well, I was stupid enough to just put a smart arsey tweet out when Data said, "Oh, you know, there's Penguins guys here at this game, and I just gone." Screw it. Marta for Barry. It's goddamn avalanche. Just try and rip him off. Well, I've been joking on Twitter just because I know trade season's coming. Because part of my favorite thing is let me come up with the players that I don't want, but I'll throw like two or three pieces together to get your really good player nonsense. Yeah. And I think my favorite one that I've come up with is the Kunitz Pouliot in a third will be the the classic core trade offer of wishful Penguin fans this trade season that you'll see on certain message boards. The the same people that will talk shit about Chris Kunitz but think he'll be a centerpiece to get Gabriel Landeskog. Not even considering the fact that Kunitz is a 37-year-old pending UFA and that teams that are going to want to trade for him are going to be contenders that are only going to be willing to give you futures, not current roster players. But, but that's why it's, fact, uh, you know. Ignore the fact that you need you want Kunitz. Kunitz is still producing. Oh, Kunitz has higher value to the Penguins than they, it would be to trade. Exactly. Um, he's, still, yeah. <laughs> he's still a very serviceable player. Pittsburgh tradable assets aren't many in regards to ones that you'd, you'd be happy to give up to, to get something back. Do you know what I mean? Well, Pouliot's values in the dumpster. At least that's I, I assume it is. You know, it's it's still early enough in the year because he started playing well again in Wilkesbury Scranton, right? Well, it's. It's still early well, enough. In the- according to what? What? What is the? I'm just curious why you, you think that. Because there's a few people on Twitter that I follow that go to the games, and okay. they absolutely okay. they 
absolutely hounded the crap out of him when he got back there because he was just he was just terrible. Um, but he's really picked it up in the last few games. All right, so, that's fair. Uh, not yeah, the Eric I'm variety, not, but I'm not box I'm not box scoring it. No way. Um, so my my guess is that there's still the point I'm trying to make is there's still enough time for him to get his shit together to get back up into the team and actually play and do well. But he might have missed his window. Yeah, and I, think, would, I think he might have. I, I think it's... And that would be disappointing because his possession stats, he actually keeps the puck out of the defensive zone. Well, he, didn't, that's what he did in his last time. No, I know it was bad, but he got thrown into a situation where he was set up to fail, basically. But, no, I, I, I only asked you that because... AHL does a miserable job keeping stats, so there's no way to know possession-wise. But if you got, it seems like you got some inside folk. You may be talking to one right now. Uh, baby penguins are actually in town tonight, but I have a high school game to coach. So high school games at five. Game I think is at seven. So I got some free ticket vouchers. I suppose I could pull it off, but. And, and my motivation to go would be solely just to watch Pouliot play because I AHL. What about Gensel? Oh, sorry. Wow. Maybe I will go. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, Gensel and uh, Pouliot what about, would be. What about Sunquist? Like that, that team down there at the moment is Sunquist not as much, but yes, that's valid too. Um, and, and the fact they only come I think once a year, which is ridiculous. Because <laughs> Gensel will be in the playoff lineup. Well, he damn well better be, but yes. So, you know, I would like to see him in person, albeit a one-game small sample, probably only a two-period small sample if I go. Uh, But I saw an article by the Baby Penguins themselves about Pouliot playing great, playing great defensively, and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, here come the puff pieces before the trade deadline. Well, yes, and, and there's there's that risk with it too. But I just I get there and look at, at, at what he what he provides in the fact that he can skate. Um, and I have to admit, the last time he was up, his decision making was poor. And like you said, he was pressing and he was overthinking, so he wasn't just getting the puck and going and doing what he would naturally. Oh, the play, to make... the play it safe mode for a guy like him—that's not your game. No, it's and, not going to work. It's not going to doesn't make sense but then again when you're punished for every mistake and sent down you're not going to take risks and you're going to be boring and even within that boring play you can sometimes make mistakes then you're just a useless player so is somebody stupid enough to do a one-for-one swap (laughs) i don't think it would be stupid enough there's enough there is evidence to point to mata being a good player okay so what we're going to try and do is is wangle a Top four defenseman that can skate a little better than Mata. Well, we've discussed that a lot. Uh, Hamilton, Truba were, were the big two that, that came to our mind. But apparently Penguins have people in Colorado. Tyson Berry would be somebody that I would be interested in. However, <clears throat> something tells me the interest uh, having the Penguins head scout there and being in rumors is, is Gabriel Landiscog. And while I think that, Landis Cog, when he leaves Colorado, is you're going to start to see his offensive numbers climb again because he peaked two years ago, and it's yeah been going down, but Colorado's been just a fucking dumpster fire. So 
it's really tough when you're on really bad teams to evaluate talent. Just like it was tough, uh, it and it's still kind of tough with like Buffalo and Arizona. These good players that are on the like, you know, not good situations. And Colorado's been that way for a while. So I do think Landeskog leaving would you, you would see that bump offensively. Where against. would you put him? Where would you put him in the lineup? No, but that's my point. Like, I think he's a good player. I think the contract value is fair. I think his contract runs for another three or four years. It brings him to age 28, so you'd be getting all the good years. Where do you put him? Uh, obviously in the top six, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're trading for him, that's where you put him. But what does that do um, for the rest of the lineup? I don't know. I wouldn't be fishing around right now for a forward. I think I'd be fishing around for a defenseman. And for all the criticisms that we both may or, or criticisms and, and concerns about Mata, you trade Mata in a I assume the Avalanche would want Mata in some kind of Landis Cog thing if that's the kind of trade we're talking about right now. Who replaces Mata? Well, this is this is the thing. Like you, you go all right. So now you've made a bad position worse. Well, you see, this this is the thing. It's like, do you get there and do that? So say you you end up with a one for one. Not that that would be what it is, but you end up with a one for one, and you're right. Suddenly you've got a gaping hole in your right hand side. You force Pouliot. Well, you force the coaching staff to have to play Pouliot and play him through his errors. I think Pouliot's ceiling is higher than Marta's. Well, it's probably I've, I've said be that here. before. I'm a little... <laughs> Derek's got to do some... Uh, do a little better to hit that, but yeah. I, no, I That's the thing. Like He's nowhere near as good as he could be, and to me it feels as though we've seen enough of Marta because of his interruptions with his health. I don't know... The only thing that would improve Marta's game would be his leg speed. If he could improve how quickly he gets up and down the ice, that will be where you'll see his improvement in his game because he's cerebral. He's He is like a young version of Paul Martin in regards to how he thinks the game, but he can't get to the puck at times and he needs to get you know an extra couple of steps out of his skating stride and he just hasn't shown any propensity to be able to do that yet. That would be my biggest concern with Mata. It's not the injury stuff because he's had st- like the cancer mumps, like that. They're not hockey-related injuries. He's had the some, but the foot speed thing—I just don't see it getting any better. And the way the league is trending, it, it is a concern of mine to to have a guy you're trotting out there, uh, which should be in the top four, yes, yeah. playing huge minutes. And uh, I I would prefer to have a more fleet of foot guy there if if you could pull it off, and I would prefer to get a right handed guy behind Latang, and we'll we'll eventually have a podcast in the future as the sample size grows for Schultz. Can Schultz be a number two right handed defenseman on the Pittsburgh Penguins? I, I have my, I, I'm still have my reservations about that. I think it's usually bad business to make long-term choices based on short samples that are going awesome. 
when there's a larger sample to where things weren't. But again, as I said a few minutes ago, it's the Edmonton sample. It's the Edmonton sample. It's tough to really separate players when they're in such crappy situations. And I would consider Justin Schultz to be in a crappy situation with crappy usage, with crappy expectations. And now he's in a good situation, a great, I would say a great situation with the forwards Pittsburgh has. And he's doing a really nice job. But who who is the real Justin Schultz? If you're going to commit to him, it needs to be the Justin Schultz that we're seeing like right in this moment. And I'm not so sure that is the real Schultz. Guess what? Late breaking news. The oh. Avs have just traded <laughs> beat me to it. Cody McLeod to Nashville. All right. Kunitz. Got a spot for Kunitz. <laughs> Going to make a playoff push from the 30th place in the league. (laughs) Hey, listen, you wanted a try, dude. So, yeah, Cody McLeod. All right. So, I, I, Mata's name's going to get brought up because I do think that is one of the few uh, bigger pieces that Pittsburgh has that would have value on a market. Flurry, good luck pegging the goaltender market. I, I'm not going to pretend to be able to do that. It's such a strange market. Halak just went unclaimed on waivers, so like Halak's better than Flurry. You could have had him for free. <laughs> so like, what the fuck? I, yeah, I don't understand the Halak thing at all. He must have burnt some serious bridges there. No. Uh, well, whatever the Islanders are doing with <laughs> that thing that they're doing with goaltending is besides the point. But to be on waivers and then have nobody claim them, I don't know how you how you do that. Oh, I, I think the Islanders put him on waivers and, and badmouthed him, so nobody picked him up. Yeah, but why do I care what the Islanders think about him? I can look at his track record and say, wow, for free? Four mil? Pending UFA? Well, sure. Where's Where's Toronto? And you, why isn't he backing up Anderson? You look at what Toronto grabbed. Hello. How about St. Louis, 28th in goaltending this year? Former Halak. Go back there. Yeah, that's... Hello, Carolina. Hello. How many different... How many different... Oh, Carol... Yeah, Carolina. They get a... They get any form of consistent league average goaltending, and they're a playoff team. Well, they're 29th right now, so... Jesus. Like, really? He's not going to take a chance with that? Okay. And And they seem to be okay with that kind of stuff in my opinion but maybe Halak's not playing good this year he's he's not been great but he you know badmouth the the franchise in regards to well he should this three goalie nonsense who who does three goalie rotation and and all that kind of stuff even from a practice standpoint it's rubbish Oh, he's not having a good year. 908 even strength. I'd still take a chance on him. His larger sample speaks to him being very good. But he's not having a good year. Neither is Schneider. Your boys, your boys, they're number one now, though. 
Tommy? Yeah. Yeah. He's due for a good raise off 1.5 mil. Probably get four, you know, uh, four million ish. Feels to me as though he has that stench of career backup. In that, that's what the league thinks of him. Well, that's nobody's what they did gonna, think of him. Nobody's going to be game enough to take the plunge and go. You can be a number one guy, and they might play. now. They might now. His sample grew a lot, and with the Islanders, had a good playoff run. So, oh, you know what? <laughs> going all over the place with this. Well, you didn't mention about that Cody McLeod trade as he went to the Predators. That's not very uh, statsy. Good move for them. I don't know what's going on with that team this year. You mean our division uh, pick to win the... Yeah. They might make the playoffs it... still, but they're not where I thought they'd be. Hey, look, as, as far as I'm concerned now, all you've got to do is get into the playoffs and just be playing well in the playoffs. So if they scrape into if they scrape into freaking the second wildcard spot that they've won, you know, 15 of their last 20 games going in or something like that, then I, I wouldn't put it past them. It, it, it would be one of those things where it's like, heck, if Pekka can just give them league average goaltending consistently and not, not sort of go you know, 980 in one game and then 800 the next, they might do okay. Yep. I think I, I think it's one of the things that frustrate me most about Fleury's career numbers. You look at them across the years, and, and they're pretty consistent, right? The numbers don't really spike or trough too much year to year when you look at just his, you know, his save percentage. But you go through his season, and boy, did they! It, it's it's like a, a mountaintop. It's up and it's down, and it's up and it's down, and he averages out, you know, reasonably okay. He's never been able to get anything consistent statistically in regards to what he does. Meaning, they've never got consistent goaltending from it. I, I love him as a player and watching him tend, but in regards to results, it's, it's difficult. That's the difference between him and Murray. Murray is consistently the same guy going through, if that makes sense, in his short sample size. Yeah, and Murray wasn't good last night, but yeah, point taken. But something's going to give eventually on that front. That'll be the... That's the shoe everybody's waiting to drop as far as Pittsburgh trade stuff, even with the avalanche rumors and everything. Might have to wait till the off season for it, though. Well, if it doesn't happen in season, it'll be the off season because they're not losing Murray. I still say they could make a trade with Las Vegas to avoid that, even if he were exposed. Those backdoor deals that seemingly every expansion draft has had. Well, fingers crossed. But what would it cost them? Is the thing like. You giving Flurry a no movement clause is going to cost a significant asset to keep Murray around. That that would just be bad uh, general managing. Yeah, that'll be Jake Gensel, that kind of an asset. Well, geez, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. If you're Las Vegas, that's what you do. You'd be crazy not to push him on that. I don't think it'll get to any of that point, but it, these are things that deserve to be discussed. So, I hope you are right, like you always are.
I'm right. I'm the best. Nobody better than me. Everybody else is stupid. Everybody else <laughs> is sad. Have we got anything else to cover besides your ego? <laughs> Enjoy my inauguration next week. Oh, good God. Oh, that's so sad. Sorry I said that. I feel, I, I'm actually worried in over here because of all the stuff that's going on in the South China Sea. I'm a, I'm not a very political person, so I don't want that to, and we don't want this to be a political podcast. But no. I, I, uh, there's really nothing diplomatic or professional or there's just nothing about the guy coming in that is good. <laughs> so... <laughs> We'll leave, we'll leave it there because I, I could go on around with this. And I, don't I, even just, I just think somehow in 300 million plus thing, I, I, I want to, as an American, think we could have done better. But here we are. Buckle up. Buckle up for the ride, world. So, it's gonna be again, sorry, up. didn't mean to get political, but I, I just don't see how you can think like oh wow yep he's the best choice that this will go well <laughs> i love the casualty of that he's, he's a man child petty vindictive in it for Small himself man. uh you know we're kidding about my ego but that that's really a thing for him and uh, you know the i didn't agree with all policies of the previous man that is stepping down now but boy oh boy he sure carried himself in a professional manner actually i just realized i can't really go point the finger because the politics over here in this country at the moment is it's not a one-person mess but it is just a complete mess across the board both sides of the aisle it's politics at the moment in the world is screwed well your island's just one big jail isn't it I'm so glad you said that. Is that is that what comes across? No, I'm just throwing out terrible stereotypes. We're a racist nation, I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, good grief. Is there anything else we want to talk about before I get myself into trouble? Hockey? Yeah. <laughs> it is what I am here, maybe I should shut my mouth. Uh... I don't think so. I think it's going to be a little bit more fun coming up. I think we're going to start to ramp up with trade rumors, uh, not not just for uh, a team like Pittsburgh that probably needs to do a little bit of something if they want to repeat, but other teams. It's It should be fun. Uh, I, I do enjoy the, the weeks leading into that, and I hope the listeners will enjoy what we have to say about it. Has has it found has it felt awfully quiet trade rumor wise this year? Like just thinking about might, it, might might just be us penguin centric, maybe. Well, I like to think you and I sort of cover the, the league pretty well, watch a, a lot and, and and read a lot about other teams and stuff. And the Avalanche is really the only team that for for me what I've heard you know from what I've heard is the only team that's really sort of. You know, got the water bubbling in, in regards to something you know might be brewing, and that's sort of been it. Normally, you, maybe it's because Toronto shouldn't be doing anything. They're not included in everything that goes around now because they're the media hub of the hockey world. It's just quiet. 
Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm I'm looking at a picture of all 30 teams and just kind of scanning through, and no, nothing's jumping out that I recall rumor-wise. So, yeah. But every, every team has a need. That's the thing. It's like who's going to be the first team to to push a, a real domino out there? Um to make everybody else start doing something. Somebody's going to have the balls to pull the trigger, um, and then everyone will follow suit because they'll all start scrambling. Pretty much. So we'll um, we'll discuss uh, discuss the rumors, at least you know ones that have somewhat logic and backing to them uh, as they come in throughout the next few weeks. So uh, how you can find us at Walshy sixty six at Gunnerstall at Hockey underscore Hertz. HockeyBuzz.com for my Pittsburgh Penguin articles. Patreon.com slash HockeyHurts for, uh, to support the podcast, not only through uh, listening, but financially. But that's voluntary option. Uh, the only other thing I'll, I'll say about it, uh, you're obviously consuming this podcast in some way, shape, or form. Uh, give us a rating. Whether it's uh, Android, iTunes, uh, you don't necessarily have to write a review, but uh, click click a star, because that'll uh, that helps. It does. Just don't make it bad stars. Don't give us a one star. We can't be that bad. <laughs> I don't think we're one star worthy, but um, you know, click a damn star. <laughs> so that's it. We'll see you next time. Gotcha.